Today we're reading from Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the root of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. This is the word of the Lord. The title of the message today is How to Pray When You've Blown It. And the reality is, if you're sitting here this morning, you have blown it at some point in your life. You look back, and maybe that's a vivid memory, memory for you. Uh, for some of you, perhaps, it is this week. Uh, for some of you, you reflect on 2015 as the year when you blew it, and you, uh, you are not happy about what you did or didn't do in 2015, and you come now to a new year with a new desire, a new plan to, to get it right. When we go down that trail of blowing it, and we're not talking about a small defeat here, I think that's important to remember. We all mess up, but, but Jonah is sinking in the, the sea when we, he prays this. Water is uh, enveloped him. Seaweed has wrapped around his neck. His life as he knows it uh, is about to be over. And it is in that moment that he calls out to God. I would say to you this morning, if you're in here and that's where you are, uh, by God's design, you're in the right place. By his design, you are where you ought to be this morning. And he has a word for you. You're not alone. Uh, Landry Jones successful high school football player goes to play football at Oklahoma and experiences that need of a second chance. Listen to his story. When I was younger, everybody kind of wanted me on their team. I remember all the parents saying how good I was going to be, telling me that I was going to be in the NFL one day. By world standards, I was a successful person as a high school student, as a college student. I had all the friends, all the girls. Everyone liked me. Everybody loved me. I had nothing I needed. I had everything. And so I didn't think I needed God. I grew up in a Christian home. I knew all the stories everything about Jesus, but it seemed a little bit more like a, a fairy tale to me than actual real life. When I was younger, uh, I was the athletic kid, you know, 
Sports came easy to me. Yeah, all the praise used to just drive me. Look at Landry. Made me want to be the best at everything. He's so good at basketball. He's so good at football. You want to just keep getting more and more and more of it. It's kind of like it's kind of like a drug. After winning a football game, you're on this high. Basically, had the world at my fingertips, and I was just reaching out and grabbing it, everything that I could, and just kind of just stuffing it in my pockets, just filling my life with earthly things and not heavenly things. About my uh, junior year of high school, I got my first offer. I decided to go to Oklahoma. I was going to go in there, and I was going to start, and I was going to play immediately. So I get to Oklahoma thinking that this was going to be exactly like high school. I was pretty pretty naive thinking that I was going to come in and take Sam's spot, but obviously that wasn't going to happen. So when I stepped on campus the first day, my identity was stripped away from me. Everything that I put my faith, my hopes and dreams in was stripped from me. I started believing the lies that Satan had spoken into me in high school. That without football, without sports, I was worthless. Everyone hated me. Why am I even here on this earth if I can't play football? I believed those lies so much I became sad and lonely and I went through a state of depression for that first year of college. You know, when I walk into practice, I just have a bad attitude. No one wanted to hang out with me or anything like that. When everybody be having a good day, I'd try to drag them down so I'd feel better about myself. I was just drowning. And it was like Satan just pushing me deeper and deeper and deeper under the water. So I kept feeding my sinful nature, kept feeding it all this trash, started really getting into drinking, trying to get all the girls. I was sick all the time. My stomach was in knots. So I get done with that first year of college not knowing if I want to continue at OU. I don't know if I wanted to quit. I just wanted to crawl in a hole and just be left there alone all by myself. I don't know if I wanted to keep living. How can I go through another miserable year like that? I just wanted to die. This is when God comes in and just drastically changes my life. And it was literally God showing up in the room saying, here I am, Landry. You've been going through all these things. You've been chasing after worldly dreams. And he freed me from all like the depression that I had, all the sadness, all the loneliness that I've ever been through. It was, it was probably one of the greatest moments of my life. I just remember feeling just so much love just pouring into me and saying that he didn't care where I was. He didn't care what I had done. All he wanted was me. Instead of I was Landry Jones the athlete, I was Landry Jones the son of God. And that's what my identity was in now. My life just has been drastically different. I've just been, I've never felt happier in my entire life. It's the internal joy that God speaks into you. In the end of times, it's not really going to matter if I'm a Hall of Fame quarterback or a great college quarterback or anything like that. It's going to matter what I did on this earth and how I used my gifts for God. My name is Landry Jones, and I am second. It's interesting that Landry Jones said, I wanted to die. I came to the point of death, and that is where we find Jonah. Jonah is dying. 
He's drowning, and the title of the message is How to Pray uh, When You've Blown It. What does he say? He says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. This word called is interesting. And the first act of praying when you've blown it is call out to the Lord. Call out to the Lord. He says, I called out to the Lord. That word call, I'll give you in the Hebrew, seldom do it, but it matters. It's karah. It's an onomatopoeic word, meaning that the way it sounds in the original language is what it means. If you are a mom or a dad, you know this cry from your kids. Uh, If you have little children, they can call out to you, and sometimes it's just a pouting kid who doesn't isn't getting his way or isn't getting her way, you know that cry. But you also know that cry of your daughter or your son when they are in distress. You know that cry when they need you, and immediately your response is to hear that there's something. It is not the word that has changed. It's the tone. It's the way they say it. It's the calling out to you that has changed. That's this word. It it isn't that you articulate some remarkable message, you figure it all out, you put it together, it's eloquent, you give it to God. God hears your eloquence, he hears your ability, and he responds to it. No, this is a guttural from the depths of who you are. God, I need your help. Karah, call out to the Lord. That's what Jonah does. Out of my distress, he says, not out of my success. Out of my distress. Uh, my good friend Mike Smith, who pastors uh, Catawba, um, uh, uh, or, or pastors uh, on the west side of town, says this there's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. But there are many roads that lead to Jesus Christ. What does he mean? He means that some people come through the pain of a divorce. Others come through the pain of the loss of job or the loss of money or the loss of position or like Landry Jones, the loss of his identity brought him to Christ. God will use what he chooses to draw you to himself. And so it is with Jonah. I love Jonah's next response. Now, you've got to understand this prayer is not while Jonah is in the fish yet. He's drowning here as he is praying. And he says, and he answered me. Scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Hear me every single time you humble yourself and call out to God. Do you know what he'll do? He'll answer Every time, every single time, God always hears the humble cry of his kid. And you've got to realize, Jonah, we only get this little snippet of his life. Jonah had a 40-year tenure as a prophet. Jonah was a pretty solid guy. We just only see this one time when he blew it. Aren't you glad there's not a zoom lens uh, on God's camera today and scripture is being written today and a chapter from your life uh, like this could be extracted and written for everybody to see. 
Uh, Jonah's, we just happened to be able to see when he blew it and how he blew it and how it all went down and it wasn't pretty. Uh, Jonah also isn't some fly-by-night preacher. He is the prophet, God's prophet. That's important to remember. Uh, He's the spokesman in Jerusalem. He's the one who is uh, speaking to the kings and giving them God's message. And here he has run from God. How does he describe it? Out of the belly of Sheol, Uh, For you cast me. Sheol is another word for hell. Jonah says, my life right now is a living and dying hell. Uh, You, some of you know what it is to be there. You know what it is to be at the end. To feel like there's no hope. There's no help. Some of you are there today. You came in this place this morning hoping that there might be a word for you. Maybe God hasn't really given up on me. Maybe after what I've done, when I I call out, he'll listen. And you have some hope mixed with some fear mixed with some doubt, will he really listen? How to pray when you've blown it. Act one. Call out to the Lord, and he will answer. Uh, What follows that? Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Do you know what I find interesting in my counseling and discipling of uh, uh, folks through the years? That every time they blow it and they sin and they walk away, there is a period of time in which they assume God is the one who left. God is the one who went somewhere. But look back at verse 3. You can't miss verse 3 of chapter 1. Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. God said, go to Nineveh. He paid the fare, uh, got on a boat, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. Look at this, away from the presence of the Lord. Who left? Jonah. Jonah is the one who left. And he says, then I said, I am driven away from your sight yet. I love that little conjunction. I shall again look upon your holy temple. Act one, call out to the Lord. Act two, look again upon the Lord. Look again upon him. By the time we're finished, you'll see him more fully this morning. But look again upon the Lord. For Jonah, it is looking to his holy temple. Why did that matter? Because when they built the temple, the temple was the center of worship. It was where everyone came to worship. It was the place sacrifices were offered. It was the place behind the curtain in the Holy of Holies where God's glory settled over the Ark of the Covenant. This was the center of worship for all of Israel. 
Jonah is drowning in the sea, and in his mind's eye, he sees that magnificent temple. Why would he do such a thing when you go to 1 Kings and see where Solomon dedicated the temple to the Lord? You'll discover why. Listen in. When your people Israel are defeated before the enemy because they have sinned against you, and if they turn again to you, Uh, Solomon is saying, all all the people can hear him pray in this prayer. If they turn again to you and acknowledge your name and pray and plead with you in this house, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people, Israel, and bring them again to the land that you gave to their fathers. Jonah knew that the temple, that that when you blew it, you you could pray and turn again. Solomon continues and says, when heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, if they pray towards this place and acknowledge your name and turn from their sin when you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive your people Israel. When you teach them the good way in which they should walk and grant rain upon your land, which you have given to your people as an inheritance. Jonah is doing what Solomon said to do. Look again upon the Lord. Look again. Oh, but I'm drowning. So was Jonah. It's all my fault. It was Jonah's. Jerry, you don't know what I've done. I agree, I don't. Look again upon the Lord. Jonah did. He Called out to the Lord, act one. Act two, look again upon the Lord. Act three seems so similar to act two, uh, but it, there's a nuance about it. It's different. Remember the Lord. Notice this. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Isn't it interesting Jonah is going down into the Mediterranean Sea. You've got to trek back into Joppa, into the port there, trek south, down into Jerusalem to get to the temple. Yet in his drowning prayer, it makes it all the way back to where? The temple. You think you're, you've gone too far? That you're so far down that God won't hear you? Ask Jonah. Ask Jonah. He could answer that question for you. Jonah believed he was dying. He believed that he was uh, enclosed in the gates of hell itself and he was dying. What does it mean to remember? Here's the definition. All right, dictionary.com. To recall to the mind by an act or effort of memory to think of again. This doesn't come naturally for us. We have a tendency to forget the Lord. You say, what do you mean? Well, if you know Christ, would you go back for a moment to that day or night when he saved you? Where were you? Did you expect him that day or that night 
to come storming into your life and, and get your attention and call you to himself? Or were you surprised? I, I was 15 years old. My dad, a pastor, grew up in church all my life, thought I was born again. I, I really did. Tuesday night, dad's going to a, a revival service. I had nothing better to do, so I went with him. I remember sitting there, second row. I thought I was good. The preacher preached, and as he began to preach, the Holy Spirit began to work on me. And I realized, 15 years old, sitting on the second row in that big worship uh, space that night, that I was lost. I realized that. And I thought the preacher would never finish because in my mind, in my simple way of thinking, it had to happen at that altar. And I thought the preacher would never finish to where that I could get to that altar and, and pray and give my life to Jesus. Completely unexpected. Not a single thing could I do to cause that moment to happen. It's good to remember that, isn't it? But you don't have to go that far back. If you're sitting here this morning, it's because air is going through your lungs. It's working. You're alive. I'm, I'm guessing most of you didn't worry about what you ate last night or, or today. Carol is going to leave on Friday, I think, and head to Ghana. I'm assuming with Samaritan's Purse. Not with Samaritan's purse, but she's going to be going on a trip to Ghana, and she will see how the majority of the world lives. She will see the poverty that characterizes most of the world today. We'll leave in a couple weeks, head to Senegal, Africa. A team of us will, looking into planting a church there. We also will eat rice every day. We will see how the majority of the world lives. When is the last time you thanked God for your warm house, your car you drove, the food you eat? Oh, but even if in this country you're on the low end of things, in other countries, you, you're quite wealthy. Wow. What has he done for you lately? That's what it means to remember the Lord. Was there a time when you were sick and he healed you? Was there a time when you were wandering and he pulled you back in? Was there a time when you blew it? And you called out, and he answered. That's what it means to remember the Lord. How to pray when you've blown it, call out to the Lord, may not be super intelligible. I've had people sit in my office and sob as they were calling out to the Lord. I have no clue what they were saying. Didn't matter. God heard it. 
call out to the Lord. Look again upon the Lord and remember the Lord. Uh, Jonah the running uh, prophet becomes in verse uh, 8, Jonah the preaching prophet all of a sudden. He's preaching as he is drowning. Look at verse 8. Those who pay regard to uh, vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. I happen to think he must have been thinking about his time on the boat uh, because when he was on the boat uh, and the storm came up, what did those pagan Phoenician sailors do? They all called out each to his own God. They said, pray to your God. So they prayed to all their own gods, and their own gods didn't come through. Uh, their own gods didn't answer. And so they go wake up, Jonah, Jonah, do you know what's happening to us? We've tried our gods to no avail. Our gods aren't working, they say. Jonah says those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. There are three words that fly in here that are unreal words when you're drowning in the sea. Hope, steadfast, and love. How in the world that it is, is it that those words come to mind when you're drowning in the sea? Hope, when you're drowning, steadfast, which means constant, continuous, and love. What is Jonah talking about? I mentioned, I think last Sunday, Icy, who uh, lived with us from Africa for uh, a year, and she was back visiting with us. Icy, who is a Muslim, our daughter Hannah, shared the gospel with her on more than one occasion uh, during this stay. Icy always came back to this. I'm a good person and I really hope that the good I do will be enough. What a way to live. That means you live all of your life making decisions and you hope by the end of it when you get to that reckoning day, that day of judgment, that God will look at the scales and go, oh, you didn't quite get there. You live all of your life in uncertainty. You live all of your life in fear and trepidation that the good won't outweigh the bad. And you hope at the end of life it does. That's, that's where she is. Those who regard vain idols forsake their hope in steadfast love. How about, let's bring it home, Landry Jones. What was his idol? Football. Applause of people. Did football love him back? Uh, yes, until he got to Oklahoma. And football quit loving him back, didn't it? Uh, for some of you, it's a relationship. If it's good, you're good. And if it isn't, you're not. For some of you, it's money. If investments do well, 
You do well. If investments don't, you don't. For some of you, it's your position, it's your job, it, it, it's a list of things. And guess what? Idols will never love you. Why? They're incapable. They're incapable of loving you. They, they cannot ultimately satisfy you. They won't. They will fail you every single time. Every time they'll come up empty. Notice this. Those who pay regard to vain idols for the, forsake their hope of steadfast love. Are you ready for this? Jonah is better off drowning in the sea with God than the sailors are sailing on top of the seas without him. Wow. He gets it. Finally, he's getting it. He's getting it on all of this. I'd rather be drowning with God than swimming without him. I'd rather be drowning with God than sailing without him. That's where Jonah is. Finally, he's there. God, you're it. God, you're it. So what does that cause him to do? But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord that causes him to worship. Act four. Worship the Lord. Worship him. Sing to him. Sing songs to him. Now, now how, how can you do this? Here's how. As our praise team comes so that we can put this into practice, here's how you do this. If Jonah for a moment thinks that as he is in the sea, that anything, any reason he can worship the Lord is in him, he's in trouble. He doesn't. How do we know? He calls it steadfast love. Steadfast love. Uh, you say, Jerry, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. Is that the reason you and I can worship today is not because of anything you and I have done, but because of everything Jesus Christ has done. How does that work? Here's how it works. Scripture says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, for the ungodly. Scripture says then that when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, from that moment on, you are in Christ. When God looks at you, he no longer sees the laundry list of sins that you committed. He no longer sees this resume that you have of failures and failed attempts to figure it all out. He no longer sees that. When you come to God by faith in Christ, in that moment, you are in Christ. And from that time on, you are in Christ, never to be out of him again. Wow. So it means that, that when God looks at you, he sees his son. When God looks at you, he sees the perfect, uh, spotless lamb of God who died in your place for your sins. 
That's how he sees you. And even when you blow it, out of the depths of your blowing it, your rescue is Jesus Christ. Not only did he save you whenever, but he's saving you now. Now. And when God looks at you, that's who he sees. It reminds me of this, this old song, and I didn't even know we were singing this in the early service, <laughs> but it reminds me of this old song that says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. And I love the very end of that. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On that great, great day of judgment, which is coming, God will not look to see if all the good outweighed the bad. He will look at you And if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, the robe that you'll wear will be the righteousness of Jesus. And he'll smile because you're dressed in Christ. And he'll say, come in. Enter in to the presence of the Lord because you're dressed in Christ. That's steadfast love. Wow. And all God's people say, amen. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. You're going to have some time. Some of you need to pray because you've blown it. You need to call out to God. You need to look again upon the Lord And look again upon the the Lord Jesus hanging on a tree, bleeding for you. Remember the Lord, uh, risen, ascended, returning for you. And in a moment, we'll worship. Just talk straight to God now.